Mikey, Mikey and Remy A show about the serious and not so serious parts of our edible world. Let's eat. Hey guys, Mikey here. Rindog here. We got a great show coming up for you today with an, an interview with Jacob, a uh, a Portland hero. He really is. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this interview. Um, we sure did. Yeah. But first, we're going to talk a little, and then we'll get into the interview. You ready? Ready. Let's eat. Hi, guys. Welcome to Mikey and Rin Eat In. I'm Mikey. And I'm Rin. And in the background, you might hear some friends that we have that are doing some work in our backyard. <laughs> there, uh, there are some very sweet people doing some work, but they are very noisy. And they are um, talking, yelling. There could be some swearing. There could be some uh, chainsaw dropping. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Yeah, we have a really... Um I don't know. I think super exciting show for you today. We have an interview with a new friend, Mm -hmm. Jacob, and um, he is the director of Feed the Mass. In Portland. In Portland, Oregon. You know it. Among other things. He Mm -hmm. is also a photographer. True. Entrepreneur. True. (laughs) He also like is opening a restaurant, we found out. I mean, this dude, he's the busiest. He runs a nonprofit. He has a f- professional photography company. He's opening a restaurant, and he just threw the restaurant thing in at the very end. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, oh yeah, guys, did I, did yeah, I tell you know you about- I'm opening a restaurant, right?" Like, what? Wait, it was amazing. What? It makes me feel so lazy. Definitely. Oh, definitely. So, but a great interview with him. He is just a I don't know, unbelievable dynamic, unbelievably dynamic person mm-hmm. who is. I think found COVID to be a motivator for him to really make a positive change in our community. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. On today's show, we're going to talk about, I don't know, I think COVID and food is kind of the best way to describe mm-hmm. it. You know, this was the the feed the mass, the the impetus for it starting was, was that, you know, Jacob just saw that there was people that needed food around our area. And so he fed them. And it was such an, it's just such an interesting thing because COVID, I was in the food industry. I was working for a, um, for a grocery store chain when COVID hit. And it was such an interesting thing as a locally owned grocery store chain. It was such an interesting thing. I was there during the toilet paper crises. Mm, Remember that? Oh my God. The paper goods crises of all varieties. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, you know, um, just such an interesting thing. The thing that I was that I'm going to talk about today a lot is kind of like how people ate during COVID, me included, as a self-soothing sort of mechanism. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a lot of that during COVID kind of return to comfort, right? Mm-hmm. Um when it feels like the world is so unpredictable and spinning out. Yeah. Um if you have access to food. For sure. <laughs> right. Um it's, you know, I think that you do really come back to those those comfort items, right? Yeah. I mean, I know that the first, well, God, remember when the, I think we've talked about this before, but remember when the first lockdown happened? Mm-hmm. Oh, and like, there was like nobody driving. Our, it also just happened to be, because it was what, March? It was March. And yeah. it happened to be this like unbelievably sunny two weeks in March in Portland. Like it was like 70. Yeah. And so it was like 
everything was silent. Everybody was quiet. People were scared, but it was more kind of, it felt like a snow day. Mm, yeah. And I, but I know the first thing that I did was I was like, I'm going to get pizza. I'm going to get wine. I just got all my comforts, sure. all my comfort foods. You know, I was like, I need the things. It was like needing your best friends around you. I was like, I need the things that are tried and true in my world that just make me fucking feel normal. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing a lot of that in the food that people were buying at the grocery store that I was working with, mm-hmm. you know, and we were helping, I was helping them design new menus and new, you know, food stuff. Cause they were going to be taking on this big investment. And so much of the thing, so many of the things that we came up with were like chicken and waffles, mm. like nachos, you know, mm. all these things that were just like up, updated kind of versions of just co- like the comfiest kind of indulgent foods. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck yeah. Cause, cause in our world, either people either went that way, like, and we're like, let's, I'm going to drink some beer and I'm going to eat some, you know, delicious food that just makes me feel comfy. Or I think people got really restrictive and they were like, we don't know what this is going to do. I want to be super healthy. I think you kind of went the more kind of healthy route mm-hmm. and we're well, like, I, I, I want to be ready. Yeah. I think that's what I, I tend to swing that way anyway, when things are um, unpredictable and scary, I tend to go like, what can I what do I have control over? Yeah. And I have control over my food and nutrition, right? Right. Um, I know the interesting thing too, is that you, like I had to shut my office down for a certain amount of time. Yep. You continued working throughout. Sure. And so it was such a- I mean, continued working like before masks were even a thing we were thinking about. Right. We were just like, oh, COVID's the scary thing. What are Corona? People were just calling it Corona at that point. And- we didn't know to put masks on. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh my God, we need to be wearing masks. And we're seeing people all the time face to face. Yeah. It didn't feel, yeah, I don't know. I also felt like I was so jealous of the way that Jacob, I was maybe jealous of him isn't the right term, judgmental of myself. <laughs> for he, he, he was like, man, I was at home and I didn't have anything to do. And I was like, people need food. I'm going to cook for them. Mm. And I, that didn't even cross my mind. Right. I was right. like, you know what? I don't know what the fuck everybody's doing, but I'm going to just be like, I'm going to stay super cutty and stay in my house and like <laughs> put my PJs on, order some Amazon shit and like get a pizza. Right. I right. just, I was like insulate and nest. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really think my first inclination was not to like help people. And that makes me feel like an asshole, <laughs> which I am. Yeah. He did have this really, almost nonchalant way of talking about it too. It was just sort of this matter of fact. Like, like, yeah, that's just what you do. Right. Yeah. I was just going to, I was just going to cook meals for people. Um, Yeah. We're really excited for you to listen to this interview because he's, he's just got some, um, I don't know. He's got some gems. Yeah. And, you know, I think that in a time of some, you know, pretty severe food insecurity Mm -hmm. in a country where that should not be the case. Um, Yeah. It's incredible that, that organizations like that exist. When I've just, you know, when we started this show, I think Corinne, uh, we've kind of touched on this before, but you know, Corinne was kind of very, a little more aware than I was just saying that, you know, she really didn't want this to come off like a show about, you know, like we have abundance and like, you know, we can just talk about food because everybody's got food because everybody doesn't have food. Right. And everybody doesn't have an access to intentional food or things that they actually might want to cook. Sometimes it's just like, you know, I I eat whatever I can. 
um, if I even have access to food. And, you know, for me, it's, I've been in the food industry for such a long time now that I have such a fucking jaded view of food and food waste. Unbelievable. I right? mean, I started off my, my work in the food industry in hotels. And just the, and I also started off my my work before a lot of the Good Samaritan laws were passed, which I talk a little bit about with Jacob. But the Good Samaritan laws basically said that you know if you put something out at like a hotel banquet and one person eats like one bite of mashed potatoes out of that thing, you can't then give that to someone. Right. That mashed potato thing it has to go in the garbage. And so this was up until 2007, I think, was like Cal. That's when California passed it. But like at my culinary school, we were just we were dumping like enormous quantities of food every day. And it was so sad. And then at the second half of my time in culinary school, after these laws had passed, then we were able to give it to people and they would take it to San Francisco or wherever. But I just, I find myself just so overwhelmed with the idea of how much waste there is. Yeah, and I think anyone who's worked in a restaurant kitchen or who has waited tables, um, you know, I just think about how many plates I cleared and- dumped so much food then into the trash. Totally. Um, you know, and then I worked at a bagel shop when I was in college and I remember, you know, we could take home bagels at the end of the yeah. day. And <laughs> I would eat, you know, like six bagels a day. Cause I, I just oh, kept so thinking good. like, how am I going to throw this shit away? Right. Um, right. and then we did end up with a partnership with a, with a, um, uh, a food bank. And mm. so that was, it was kind of cool. But um, I mean, I used to take food home when I was serving at, I, I served uh, tables at this like burger restaurant, whatever in steamboat. And I used to take people's food home. Like if someone had eaten like half a burger, especially if they cut it or something and then hadn't right. eaten, like I would, <laughs> but even if they hadn't, I would just cut off the part that their teeth were in, was in and I would just take it home. And people looked at me like I was a fucking monster. Mm. And I was like, no, this is like, you know, and these were like expensive. These were like $18 burgers, you know? Yeah. And so I would take it home and it was awesome. I never spent any money on food, but it's, our, you know, our country just has such a weird relationship with food and reusing things in the kind of food world. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's this company called Loop, yeah. which I think is super cool. And they're, you know, their whole idea is that they're, they're putting things that you would buy normally, like laundry detergent and dish soap and, you know, kind of everything in containers that are then going to be reused. But the only way that they can do it in, in the United States is to have these things look fucking perfect. Right. So it's like stainless steel containers that then get another, st- a new sticker on them when they get reused because Americans can't see something that is like a little tarnished. Right. You go and drink beer like in Central and South America and you're getting a bottle that is, looks torn up most of the time because it's like the 20th time that it's being filled. Right. That's awesome. It's a glass bottle. Who the fuck cares? And I just think it's, we're just so precious about stuff in the mm-hmm. United States. And we also have lawyers <laughs> right, that right. love to sue. And so I just, I don't know, to me, it's like, we're digging our own grave around this stuff and people can bitch about it, but it's, it's the American way that we need everything to be new and fresh and untouched by anybody else. Mm-hmm. Virginal. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also I, you know, I just keep thinking about what a, you know, what a privilege it is to be on a 
oh, I'm going to choose to do Whole30. I'm going to mm. choose to do yeah. this, you know, I'm, t- I'm going to be gluten-free, even though I'm not celiac. I'm going to, you know, when, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? There's- You remember Chris Rock's thing about this? I don't know. He, well, he was just talking about people have been picky eaters and whatever. He's like, he's like, everywhere else in the world, if you're lucky enough to to get to eat a piece of a pig, you bite the fuck out of that. <laughs> you know, he's just like, our country is the only country that you're able to be like, mm, I don't eat pork or I don't eat meat. Right. He's just like, no, if you can like get that anywhere else in the world, you fucking eat it. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's still within our country. It's a very specific slice of, mm, sure, of, course. of the country that can, that, you know, has the privilege to be able to say, mm, no, I'm just not going to eat that. Right. And yeah. I'm t- completely guilty of that. Oh, totally. Um, well, even the fact that like, mo- what, and then it's interesting to look kind of historically, like, you know, most families in the fifties, like they couldn't eat meat every night mm-hmm. meat was expensive mm-hmm. no matter kind of where you were now we found a way to make meat so cheap for sure and so me- by people treating would- animals like garbage absolute garbage and it's you know and you look at most people like i think most people that eat meat eat meat at least two times a day sure yeah, yeah. and that's wild that's yeah. never happened historically right yeah yeah for sure um well i just wanted to just give a couple stats on food insecurity yeah, just please. to kind of set our brains up for um, what Jacob's doing in the world and why it's so important. Yeah, cool. Um, so this is from the USDA website. Um, I thought one of the most interesting things was um, the sort of prevalence of food insecurity and how it varied between different populations, mm. which- I suppose, you know, we can all assume that, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so the national average of uh, people that are experiencing food insecurity is 10.5%. Okay, so 10.5% of our country mm-hmm. on average is experiencing food insecurity. Yep, and okay. this is 2019 and I believe 2020. Yeah, 2020 as well. Okay. Um, so that's- 30, That seems lower than I would think, 38. actually. 38.3 million people lived in food insecure households. Oh, okay. That's a lot of people. Yeah, right? When you when you actually think about the number. Um, so then the higher than the national average are households with children. Mm. So 14.8%. Households with children under the age of six, 15.3%. Wow. Um, households with children headed by a single woman, 27.7%. Or single man, 16.3%. Wow. Um, That's insane. Yeah. Households with black, non-Hispanic, um, reference persons. So that's the person whose name is on the- Reporting um, census or whatever. Uh, 21.7%. Hispanic reference persons, 17.2%. Do you know what a definition of food insecure is? Yeah, the um, I looked on the USDA. Hold on, let me pull this one up yeah, too. Yeah. So they basically, I didn't see a definition of food insecurity, but there's, there. oh, well, here it is. <laughs> they break it down into basically four different categories of food security. So you've got high food security, which just means no reported indications of food access problems or limitations. And then there's marginal food security. So one or two reported indications, typically of anxiety over food sufficiency or shortage of food in the house, 
um, little or no indication of changes in diets or food intake. Mm. So basically there's, there's a, you know, potential that there could be food insecurity, but none that's showing up um, in their kind of day to day. And then there's low food security. Um, So reports of reduced quantity, variety, or desirability of diet. Mm. And then the very Hmm. low food insecurity is reports of multiple indications of disrupted eating patterns and reduced intake. Okay. All right. Um, So I don't know. I just found those measurements or the, the percentages. Yeah. Just really, really shocking. It's baffling. I mean, and and especially with young kiddos, it's like the idea that anybody even has to worry about that. Mm -hmm. It's like the idea in our country that you can, that people can't just retire, Mm -hmm. like that anybody over the age of like 70 would ever have to, like, they just shouldn't have, you get to 70 or 75, you have to worry about money anymore. Right. You're just done. You're just, you're covered. Right. And it's like, it's wild. People die like bankrupt and poor and in debt and all those things. And it's just, it's a wild, it's a scary thing. I told you this yesterday, but I found out this statistic or this, this example um, the other day of the difference between a million and a billion. Mm -hmm. And I just think it speaks to this because it's, this is about wealth disparity, right? This is about the haves and the have nots. And, and I just, and I, for the have and the have nots. And I just find it, really wild that there's such a discrepancy, right? So, Mm -hmm. so the the example was given that, so a million seconds is 11 and a half days, Mm -hmm. but a billion seconds is 32 years. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think, cause people just think, oh, it's just, you're just adding a number, another number, you know, another zero to the column or whatever. And it makes it a billion. No, it's, it's, it's a lot more. Well, and it's, it's similar to what just happened to you when I said 10 and a half percent versus 13.8 million people. Yeah. Right? You know, we look at a percentage and it does something in I our brain. I think you said 33 million. 33. I think you said 33.8 million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it's so true because it's like a percentage doesn't really mean that much until you put it in actual like hard numbers, right? Right. Yeah. 10 and a half percent, 13.8 million. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, 13.8 million. A t- that's a ton of people. Right. Unbelievable. It, it totally puts a new perspective on it. Yeah. To And also, you know, to bring it back to COVID, to think about those food insecure households and how it climbs with, you know, once there's children in the household mm, sure. and then children under six, you know, with school shutting down mm. and, you know, the thought of, potentially kids getting two meals, sometimes even a third meal at school. Sure. Um, universal, universal feed programs. That's where right. I used to work in public school system, you know, helping kids get food. And when schools were closed unexpectedly, mm-hmm. kiddos that relied on the school for food, it was terrible. It yeah. was really sad. Yeah. And it was like, and they didn't have a backup system for it. Right. right. And especially with COVID, it was like, everybody was afraid about gathering and afraid of, right. you know, and some people just, I think kind of like, you know, they figured out ways to get food to people, but um, COVID was such a wild thing because it was to watch people that were on the kind of fringes or that were on the threshold of mm. like maybe homelessness or maybe food, food insecurity. insecurity. Yeah. And then it's like when COVID hit all of those safety nets and a lot of the things that were kind of had been expected really went out the door. And it was just, it was especially, you know, where we live in Portland, there was just, there was so much need. Mm, yeah. And Jacob, you know, and Feed the Mass, they really did an amazing job of seeing the need and filling the need, right? Yeah. Let's talk to him. Let's talk to somebody who didn't hand ring and worry about what he could do, but yeah. actually said, 
here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fucking feed people. Yeah. (laughs) Let's be inspired. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to Mikey and Rin Eat In the Rinterview. The Mikey and Rinterview. We still haven't codified the name. It's yeah, the Mikey I mean, and Rinterview. Yeah, I like it. I, I think like it, it really works. It really does. Why don't you t- tell us who's with us. We have such a really exciting, amazing, special guest today. Um, somebody that when we switched over the podcast from fertility to food, um, I knew I wanted to have on right away. He's the um, busiest human in Portland, and he's carved out a little little space for us. Um, His name is Jacob, and he I'm going to let him introduce his really incredible nonprofit that he has, um, and also the other business that he has. Um, Even even before he comes on, I want to say his name is Jacob, but his name is is Jacobson Valentine, which is by far the greatest name that's ever happened in the history of the world. Maybe Wolf Blitzer or something like that kind of hits the nail on the head harder. But Jacobson Valentine is like, Mm -hmm. that is the name. Yeah, it's true. Have you ever been like Cupid for Halloween or (laughs) with that name? It's so. (laughs) No, 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 no. Actually, the biggest thing is they, they always ask me is like, could you be my Valentine? Or I bet you have a bunch of Valentines. Oh, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, that is pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. But it's still it's still a great name. <laughs> it's, so good. It is a great name. it's so strong. It's so strong. I was so I was strong. a redheaded kid growing up at the time of the Life Cereal commercial that launched that was a redheaded kid and the whole tagline was Mikey likes it. He'll eat it, you know, he'll eat it. And so it was, I, I that's all I got in my childhood was the Mikey likes it thing. And I was like, you fuckers, great commercial, but you really blew it my childhood. So <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So Jacob, before, um, before you introduce yourself, we like to ask guests a, um, a very special question. Um, and it's a two parter. Um, the first part is give us your celebrity crush. And then the second part is, um, on the spot. Um, tell us what meal you would prepare if you had a date with your celebrity crush. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I feel like it has changed over the years. Um, it feels like every year there's a new new crush in my life. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I don't know. It's just I don't, I, like to, I don't like to keep to one. Um, That's good. <laughs> you need your main dish and then uh, some side pieces. Yeah, exactly. Some appetizers. But, uh, Tapas. You know, but Scarlett Johansson is mm. like my celebrity crush. I don't know what it is. It's the I everything, do. like her, her, <laughs> her, her physique, yeah, her yeah. Uh, leather leather outfits, um, mm-hmm. yes. yeah, mm-hmm. and that that uh, action movie, the Black Widow movies, yeah, yes, were, they were tough, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> the uh, yeah, so nice. What are you making? For, I, I what are you making I, for ScarJo? What am I making, ScarJo Hansen? Okay, so. Um, Definitely going to be pasta because I know that like Scarlett mm. Johansson was in the movie Chef, and she was all about that pasta life. So nice. it has to be a pasta. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It'd be sexy. It has to be like long pasta, so she mm. slurps it for yep. sure. Yeah. yeah, and you can have your Lady in the Tramp moment with her. Mm. Oh yeah, or just watch her eat pasta. That's, that's <laughs> there, yeah, that's all. I do. <laughs> That'll work. No, I know. I feel, and I feel like in the long pasta world, I feel like Bucatini is the sexiest one—the mm-hmm. little straw yeah. pasta because mm-hmm. it's like got the hole in the center. It feels like 
I don't know. It like doubles the sucking action by <laughs> an extra 160%. <laughs> well, there's a new one called Spegalini, mm. which is all, it's like the huge, it's, so they just take spaghetti and they make it super long and they fold it in half. So it's the same length as regular spaghetti, but it's technically double the length. Oh. So, so Spegalini, I think Spegalini. that's the name of it. Right. I just learned about it. I was like, super long pasta. Yes, we do. Hell yeah. <laughs> did you, Jacob, did you listen to that, the podcast with the Sporkful where they made, they designed pasta from start to finish? Like they designed a new pasta shape? No, do was, not. Do, do, I need to listen It was to pretty that. awesome. Yeah, they had a whole series about designing a new pasta shape that was like the best at capturing sauce and was like all of these things. And it was cool. I can't remember what the shape was that they made, but they made this like, yeah, it's got a name like Scvolini, like S-F-O, something or other, but pretty cool. It got so granular on oh, yeah. like, you know, all of the details of how you actually make pasta and bronze sure. cut versus die cut. And it was, it was pretty mm. cool. Yeah, it was cool. No, those, 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 those uh, bronze cut, like cuts are actually super expensive. Mm-hmm. And the crappy part about it is, like if you drop it, it's kind of screwed, right? Oh, like, yeah. Or yeah, or it cool. becomes the a weird awesome shape. <laughs> it's like yeah, right. I, had, <laughs> it becomes a weird awesome shape. I had the broken Play-Doh machine when I was a kid that had like there was missing some parts, and so I could fart out some like really awesome Play-Doh <laughs> shapes that were not meant to happen. <laughs> So, Jacob, before we get too deep, um, tell us tell us more about you and especially your um, your incredible business that you um, that you have in Portland. Yeah. So, um, my name is Jacobson Valentine. I originally uh, moved here when I was eleven from uh, Hilo, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I went to Gresham High School. Uh, graduated there, and then I kind of got into the culinary scene in Portland um, when I was 20. And then um, I started a nonprofit called Feed the Mass. I really, when I first started, I really wanted to get people to start cooking and understanding what to eat. You know, one of the biggest influence I'd have to say is like Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution because mm-hmm. that happened on NBC, and I was like, this makes sense. Why is this not a thing? And like, mm-hmm. why do people not care? And all these things. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was just mainly a situation of, uh, people like people who could actually teach these things properly, uh, honestly are busy cause they're, they're actually creating amazing art of food and everything like that. And I think that was one of those things of like, you have to kind of give up one to do the other. And, mm-hmm. Um, back when I was in uh, in the restaurant scene, it was always about celebrity chefs. It was always about feast. It was all about, you know, getting that Michelin star. It was about Instagram. Mm. And I just kind of, like, got burnt out of it. Like, it was just – it sucked. Like, it wasn't fair, honestly. It wasn't great. So I started doing something that actually started doing some healing on myself, and it was teaching kids how to cook. Mm. Um, I love teaching – I have like a bunch of nieces. I have like 11 nieces. It feels like awesome. I'm pretty sure that's the right number. <laughs> I have a lot of nieces and I have a few nephews. Uh, we're being dominated by women and, and, and my family, wow. uh, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> right. Who run the fam? Uh, girls. <laughs> girls. Pretty much. That's, that's, that's hilarious in itself. Um, but so, so I, I started my nonprofit and I started doing it on the side and then, at a certain point, I, I said to myself, I'm like, I'm working at this restaurant that is serving not healthy food. It's burgers. 
We're just serving yeah. burgers and, and fries. And not even mm-hmm. just a little bit of burgers. Like the, the, the most greasiest, as much bacon as you want kind of burgers. <laughs> I won't say their name. I won't That's say cool. their name. Yeah. But uh, it was it was it wasn't great, and I was just like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a hypocrite. I'm teaching mm. kids eat healthy mm. and you know take care of what your bodies and all stuff, and I'm like living in like I'm working and taking money from a business that does the exact opposite. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I say all that to to be like, okay, so I quit. Didn't know how I was going to pay my bills or like that. I, I was like, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to dive in and. Um, Lived off my credit cards for about two, three months, and then uh, I found a stride. And people like me doing classes. It was at one time it was like once a week. Now doing like five, four or five days a week. People were loving it, and it started mm. growing. And like I made my way, I made an imprint, and started working in like schools and doing all these things. Mm. And then um, you know, uh, 2020, we got a. They accepted as a partner to the Fabian school and they had a brand new cooking kitchen that was built and no one's using it. Mm. And they were like, Hey, the principal saw me at an event and said, Hey, we'd love for you guys to come check out our space. If you need a space, let us know. And it was in Northeast Portland in a school. The demographic was over 50% people of color, which is huge. Mm. Um, and we're like, okay, this is the demographic we want to be in. This is the school. It has a space like, let's do it. And then COVID hit. And just right. crapped, crapped that entire thing. Mm. Um, and it was, well, it was, it was actually three things. So we moved to the space. Then uh, the the main sponsor of this of the entire like um, space itself, Concordia, went bankrupt, and that was oh. a big thing. Um, and then uh, right after that, COVID hit, and it was like oh one, two, God. three, and I was Oof. like, oh, what the heck? So. Um, yeah. Uh, luckily, I kind of just said, you know what? I can't te- I can't feel responsible. Like in the early stage when people started getting sick, I was like, I'm not doing classes. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to be in a ventilator. And I'm not going to expose people to, to this kind of thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be responsible. So I, put, I laid myself off, which is like the, the <laughs> strangest and hardest conversation I ever had to have with myself. Yeah, sure. And, uh, <laughs> And so I, 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 you know, luckily I got in before everybody else started like getting laid off and I got my unemployment and all stuff. And I just wanted to do something with my time and I just started making meals. And mm. um, that's where the start of our Fed program came up. And I started making meals, got volunteers, got businesses donating food, restaurants closing down, giving us equipment. And we just kind of went, you know, crazy. And then at our, our biggest point was, uh, last year we were doing about 6,000 meals a week. Wow. wow. It was just stupid. Uh, I think was that, was that out of the breeze, bu- the breathe building? Uh, that was, uh, well, it started out in the Veterans Memorial Coliseum and then oh, yeah, okay. they said, Oh, the NBA needs their Coliseum back. And then we're <laughs> like, well, okay, cool. And then, so we pushed everything into the breathe building Okay, and it was hard. Yeah. But yes. So and that's wow. and the breathe building is where for listeners that's where Corinne's office is. So she has her um, acupuncture practice above uh, on the top floor of the breathe building, and then Jacob and his crew were doing their thing downstairs. And I don't know how y'all were pumping out thousands of meals out of that t- tiny little kitchen. Yeah, little guy. <laughs> like, uh, it was stressful. Honestly, it was yeah, stressful. I it. I mean, it, um, it created a lot of rift in the organization. Um, huh. A lot of. 
a lot of bad things happened, um, which uh, if you ever go to Twitter, um, that's I don't go there anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not a, uh, not a happy place. Mm-mm. Not a happy place. No. Um, but it, it actually, you know, it, it really set us up to kind of be like take inventory and like what can Feed the Mass really do? Mm. And, uh, and you know, for us, 6,000 6, meals, it was great in the middle of, of pandemic and then things started opening up. And people right. started going back to work. Okay, and then we're like the the ability to do six thousand meals because we were eighty percent volunteer. Also, mm. yeah, um, that went down. We went from eighty percent volunteer to like we uh, or say we were doing like you know eight volunteers a day, went down to two volunteers a day. Oh, yeah. Wow. And it wasn't sustainable, and like yeah. we had to make a really big uh, you know decision on like how do we keep this sustainable or how do we like, honestly, the option was also get rid of the program, like right. and give it to somebody else. Right. Right. Um, and we decided that we, you know, create parameters and we said like, Hey, like moving forward, we're no longer going to be doing delivery to house to house because volunteers were getting burnt out. Our yeah. staff were getting burnt out and it was not a, a sustainable funding source. Mm. Like how can you, how can you justify, you know, saying like, Hey, we're going to, we, we're going to pay you minimum wage and you're going to stand, sit in the car for nine hours. Mm. Right. right. I don't, there's, I don't, no, there's no justification for that. Sure. I don't think that I realized that you guys were doing home delivery. I thought it was just like you came and picked it up, but that's oh, no, amazing. No, no. Wow. We were, we were doing a home delivery. We we're doing uh, people picking up and mm. we were also working with community partners to get meals out. And wow. we were also great. Del- like delivering two camps. houses. Right. Camps. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. I'm I'm working in a uh, yeah. in a home in a delivery food delivery space right now in my work and it's um and it's a completely different model but it's I mean it's just there's so many headaches around delivery I mean it's just it's wild. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and now and now now we're in a state where like our gas is going to be doubling in probably the next three months. Yeah. Like how, how like like luckily we stopped when we did because I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't honestly tell someone to their face like hey you know. Sorry, you signed up for this. Like, mm. right, like how? Right. Um, and you know, people and, and and you know, and there's always the backlash of like, "Hey, you're you're making people starve." And I'm like, if we weren't here, there, I get that. Like, their people would be hurting. But in the same sense, like, it's not our responsibility to take care of everyone. Mm. We can do our part. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're at a point where like. We took a bit off more than we can chew, and mm. things have changed that organizationally and the world and everything, sure. and we can no longer do that. And it's mm. like, at what point do we say, like, enough is enough, and like, hey, this is yeah. what we can really do? And it was hard. And what an, and what an interesting it. criticism to level, too, you know, that, like, you know, when you step up to do something that's helpful, and then things change, and you end up, you know, moving back from that or something, then then the criticism is like, well— you know, you're, you're hurting people now. It's interesting because obviously you guys were there. You were the ones who chose to do it. You were the ones who stepped right. up. Yeah. And to your earlier point that it, the, you know, at the core of the organization, you have this volunteer force and you have some, you know, people that are working for minimum wage and, and, you know, those people also have to be taken care of. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So you're just, you're having to manage I don't know, just a lot of expectation and wellness of others. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, like, being a business owner in, like, the pandemic is probably the hardest, I think, ever. For like, sure. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I – For if, sure. If this, was, if, this, if this was a, like, if there was no pandemic and, you know, things were, like, you know, back before 2020 – Mm-hmm. I would and like we were doing the same thing. I think it would be you'd have a much easier time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. But like, but now you're t- you're talking about not even just like the great resignation. You're talking about also people are afraid of COVID, bad information, fake news. You're talking about all those political things all wrapped into a pink bow. And then you're gonna say there and say, "Hey guys, so um, we're going to change things up." And you're just throwing another like grenade into the war of honestly just nonprofits. Mm. sure yeah for sure and it's the food industry is such a volatile industry anyways and it's when you introduce something like covid into it it's like okay we have the elements of like the service industry is a difficult industry to work in supply chain issues you know i mean all the th- i was just i was working with a grocery store chain a local grocery store chain when covid first started and you know the amount of things that we were going through even just from a food safety perspective it was like oh it's not just hasip anymore oh it's not just serve safe it's like how do we how do we feel comfortable about you know someone is going to prepare food that i'm going to ingest and we don't know where covid like how are we even getting it at the beginning it was just a wild mysterious situation and so everything felt like a threat it was just an amazing thing for me to see what you guys were doing at a time when like everybody was feeling out of control. Everybody was feeling like, I don't know how to help. I don't know how to be help. I don't know how to ask for help. And, you know, you guys really stepped in and were making, you know, what looked like and smelled like unbelievably good food <laughs> for everybody. How did you guys, how did you guys choose what you were going to serve on it? Was it seven days a week or was it less than that? Um, at the, at the height of it, it was seven days a week okay. and a lot. So a lot of the things we did, so our biggest focus was, you know, not just feeding people, but it was also reducing the amount of waste because mm, one thing sure. that happened with COVID was the waste amount of waste that was happening was Oof. exasperated. Um, farms were getting hit the worst because yeah. they didn't have people buying food. And so like a lot of them, I think the biggest farm that we, 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 we knew was the Kiyokawa farm. They, oh, yeah. they, I think they, they've buried about like 60% of their crop. Oh buried God. it. Wow. Picked it. Yep. Shoveled it and buried it. That's so and I'm wild. Just there, I'm like, that, that, that's just one farm. How yeah. Many other farms are, right. are experiencing this. Sure. Yeah. So and then really, meat, yeah. Oh yeah. Meat's the, the same way. Wild. So we were just like, we were really focusing on like trying to save a lot of this food. And, um, you know, the cool part about social media was like, Hey, we connected with so many farms and I was saying, Hey, give us the food and we'll take care of it from there. Just, just get it to us mm. and we'll take care of it. Mm. And that was huge. And then we became a Oregon food bank um, partner and we were part of the fresh Alliance and Amazing. we started uh, getting meals or we started getting food from Amazon, which that was huge. <laughs> Cause it, um, Amazon has warehouses where they just literally stock food to stock food. Like if you want to talk about the, not the worst, but like the classic example of, like capitalism, like go mm. to an Amazon warehouse. It's like mm. they have to keep things in stock. And if it goes bad, well, there's going to be new stuff coming the next day. And it's just like this ever moving inventory. And they, and when we first started going there, they would fill dumpsters of food. Oh my God. Like really? our first, our, our first day we got a, uh, a, we had this freezer truck that we picked, we picked it up and we went in and like, we looked at one of the dumpsters and it was already completely full. We wow. pulled out like nine pallets of food 
and we went through everything and we still filled up even more dumpsters. And, and then we were like, this is where we're going to get all of our food. We got proteins, yeah. we got dry goods, we got everything we need. And, you know, honestly, Amazon actually helped us out a lot. Okay. Because they like, as crazy as it sounds, they were being actually responsible with their waste. <laughs> They're like, yeah. hey, like if, if you can pick it up, you can get the waste and you can get it out and you can, you can feed as many people as you want. We're like, done. Be there every Tuesday. That's, that's right. We did. And actually, we were there like Tuesday, Thursday, and I think even on Saturdays. And we just picked up a bunch of food and we made food. And that's how, that's we, a, that's how mean, we got through a lot of it. That's cool. That's it's good. To, it's always good to hear redeeming stories about Amazon because it's like all I ever Amazon. hear is just like, oh, it's terrible. You know, I just I just read this morning that fucking uh, Bezos is taking Pete Davidson and um, the dude, the CEO of Party World or something like that, one of the party stores to the to the on the next um, space mission. I was like, cool. That that makes a lot of sense. Pete Davidson needs to go to space. Like that's sure. important. Well, you sure. know, Jeff Bezos isn't isn't CEO anymore, right? Right. Right. He's some well, I did not know that. shadow figure. I don't, what is he considered now? He, he's he's just part of the board. He's just the overlord. Okay. He's just, he's, yeah, yeah. He's an overlord, whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he just he just he sits back and he does whatever he wants. So like, right, that makes sense, I guess. Now it's just like other people running Amazon, and from from my understanding, it's not it's not going 100 percent well, especially yeah. now that their stock has plummeted. Yeah, that's also another big thing. Yeah, I mean the fact that they don't pay taxes feels like it might help, but I'm curious about your your background because you you know I understand that you were in restaurants and you have this food background, but pivoting from that into running a nonprofit that sounds like an enormous leap. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, did you are you like a learn on the fly kind of guy? Did you have nonprofit experience? Uh, no, I, I had no experience running a nonprofit or let alone running, but like how I started my nonprofit was I went on YouTube. I learned how to start a nonprofit. Oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. YouTube. Swear to God. Didn't even I, go to YouTube university. I had, I think like about four semesters of business. And that was it in college. That was wow. it. Okay. And, um, and I think, you know, it's it's a, it's a good it's a it, people say oh my gosh you started this amazing organization it's so big and everything yeah I'm like yeah but like I've also made so many mistakes like <laughs> so many mistakes um, like what bad choices uh, I mean just bad choices on like who to partner with how to go oh, about yeah. things yeah um, who to hire I mean also like who to trust and also honestly. Even just like how to be a good like leader, like that has mm. been super. Mm. Uh, I mean, these last two years have been really testing me on like, do I want to be a leader? And like, if I if I'm going to be taking this role, I take it serious, and I have to like do my own educating. I have to seek out mentors. I have to like, I have mm. to pretty much go and like reinvent myself a little bit more and pivot myself because I'm always constantly mm. pivoting everything else around me. And I'm like, well, you actually have to work, do a lot of work on yourself. And this last year was literally that. I mean, went through the big, you know, departure of the Fed, of people at Fed, and mm. you know, being told that I'm a horrible being, human being, and that like mm. I am, I'm a thief and I'm a robber and all these things. Which, mind you, I I, I get their point of view. Mm. Like you do, they're hurt. Oh, I do. Oh, I, 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 yeah. I get, I get their point of view. Like I, they're hurt, 
they they've gone through some trauma. They also are in the middle of a pandemic, and mm-hmm. like what they're saying is to them is true. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. of them might be lying. It, some of them like might not be saying like honestly like good things about me. But in the same sense to them, that's true. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't. Like at a certain point, I have to stop convincing people they're wrong. Like yeah. I, I don't have that. I don't have. I don't have that time. I don't have the energy. And like at a certain point, if they don't listen to me when I say, "Hey, this," I'm trying to explain myself, and you don't care, and you're just gonna put videos online, and you're gonna say I'm a horrible person, and you don't even know my name, you don't even like know who I am, you mm. don't know anything about me, you just you just you're going off of hearsay or you're the illusion. Like I, I man, I got threats. I've got people emailing wow. me. I got people DMing me. Um, I get called coward. I got people wow. at like, like I'm on TV and people are just shouting at me. I'm just mm. like, but here's the thing: it's like we're in an age of feelings, and we're yeah. also in an age mm-hmm. of like, hey, like you are justified for your feeling because you know what? You are going through a traumatic experience in the world. For and sure, people are breaking. Yeah. And people and people are also don't have access to healthcare. Like yeah. that's one of the biggest things. Like mm-hmm. mental health care is is inundated with and so behind on things. Education sure. about healthcare uh, or about mental health and everything like that. That was that was a really big eye opener. Like as bad as everything was, as mm. as as horrible as everything that has happened, I also said like this: like, is it true? Mm. Right. In my, in my heart of heart, like, it, and. If anything they say is true, then I have to either fix it or I have to like I have to fix it. So sure. like if they say I'm unfair, then like what are the things that I'm unfair about? And if mm-hmm. it's not true, then why am I stressing about it? Mm-hmm. Right. Like right. why do I, I know, wonder both if are good. do both are good learning moments. I mean, it's this is where, you know, we have friends around town that have gone through some things lately that I, you know, I won't name the places by name, but you probably know about. There's a lot of things that have bubbled up around Portland in the last little bit here. And, um, you know, and I was also at the grocery store that I was at when there was a big strike and it was kind of the same sort of thing. It was, you know, there was these moments of, well, none of these things, like a lot of the stuff just isn't true or you're blowing it out of perspective because you're only seeing it from your side or, you know, the kind of most insidious version of it is like, maybe you're just trying to get TikTok or Instagram likes or something like that, you know? And, but on the other side of it, it was like, oh, if anybody is feeling this way, then maybe there is some self-reflection that needs to happen. Maybe there are some kind of, you know, institutional changes that need to happen within the company or myself. But then there was also the kind of bigger issue of like, you know, people are stressed right now. People are scared. People are, you know, like feeling totally unmoored and, on some level, you have to respect that, even if the things that they're saying about you are kind of wild and outlandish. It's you know, it's yeah. kind of part of where we're at. I think accountability is the biggest thing, and mm-hmm. like I think it's I think as a leader, I have to be accountable for the misconceptions because honestly, if they're feeling that way and I and I and I let it get to that bad, like I was doing, I wasn't doing my job. Mm. And it sucks. It's it's a horrible thing to have to say, but it's true. Mm. Um, yeah. But I, but I also know this, like we have to move forward because the mission is more important than the squabble. Like, what am I <laughs> yeah, like? That's great. What am I trying to do? Like, and like, and I just pivot. And again, it sucks, but like, this is the, this is the term for the pandemic pivot. Was it that I did? Mm. I, I went to, I went to, I, I started up again. We just redid everything. Mm. New staff, like 
we had people who were already with us who were really supportive and and honestly like i couldn't have done it without like a lot of good friends and a lot of good supporters who were who i find the the most the funniest thing about this entire situation was the people that had the most to say i knew the 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 shortest amount of time oh right mm. yeah yeah mm. The people, the people who got on when we were really hot and like everybody was like excited and we were being featured on this and you know we're getting all this attention. Like those were the people who immediately flipped. They're like, oh, well, I knew it. It was too. It was too good to be true. Yeah. Too good to be true. <laughs> that and 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 like you know, not to throw the race card in, but it it really is also is too good to be true that a large black man can be this good of a person. Mm. Yeah, that's. An- yeah. In Portland, mm-hmm. in Portland, mm-hmm. yes, right, it's, right. it's so true. Mm-hmm. And then, and so like, so I, so I just said, you know what? Like, let them feel that way. Mm. Like uh, when they want to talk and when their hearts are open to actually have a conversation, then I'll have a conversation. And I'm always open to have those conversations. But honestly, no one's actually ever really come and like try to treat me as a human being. Oh, yeah, that's mm. gross. Like. A lot of barking. Is, is that is that sort of who you are as a person? Um, you know, the ability to really see, okay, this person is suffering and that's why they're coming after me now. Or is that like is that something that's been, I don't know, a part of your leadership training and growth? Because it's just, I mean, it's a really evolved place to get to as a human yeah (laughs) well even just saying people are in need i need to cook for them yeah i mean to me it's like i'm a chef and that wasn't my first inclination i mean i think i cooked for my neighbors but i wasn't like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna start a nonprofit that's serving six thousand meals a week like it wasn't just where my head went i was like no i'm gonna curl up on the couch and drink wine (laughs) yeah well i mean i think i think when it comes down to it is like like who are we at our, our our like in our core is who we are when we are doing the most. So I think for me, mm. like I, I'm very, I'm very understanding mainly because I have, I have, as a young person, I was very angry. Mm. Um, I've mm. had a lot, uh, I, I would get in fights. Um, I was bullied all the time when I was a kid, even though I was the biggest kid in, in the school. Mm. Um, I was always bullied. And like, it was also mm. a situation I was very angry and I, I went through a lot of like, traumas as as a young person but it's also a situation of like i had to work on things and like i'm still working on things and i'm not going to be perfect Mm. and i will you know i will cuss at times i will get mad at time i will blow up but i also will catch myself more often than not to be like okay like it's time for you to like our dog is just swearing at the uh the ups (laughs) driver that's coming (laughs) right um but yeah it's just it's just one of those things like i I've, i've done a lot of healing i've also like don't get me wrong when all that stuff happened last year, I um, I I cried a lot. I I couldn't sleep for a couple of days. I needed some time off, and I, on top of that, like I didn't have as much support as I thought I would, and mm. it hurt. And like for me, I, the worst thing that you'd ever that I could ever experience was just being abandoned, mm. um, and that's what I felt. And yeah. then, and but it's also a misconception. It was it was again it was a perspective situation. Like, yeah, I, I I I saw it as everyone was abandoning me, but it was but but in reality, it was a bunch of people weeding themselves out. Mm, when shit yeah. hits a fan, when shit hits a fan, and everyone's standing behind you, like 
that you know who your friends are. Like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and I just, I, it was, it was very growing experience, but then on top of that, I had to like, I'm, I, I have a Christian background. So like I went, mm. I've been going to church every, every Sunday. Like I do now or virtual church now. Okay. Um, virtual church. You know, one of the, one of the, <laughs> Virtual church, man. That's virtual church. Uh, but it, but you know, one of the big things that that like I I've been going through was just like the understanding that like everyone doesn't know God, everyone doesn't know forgiveness, doesn't everyone doesn't know grace. Mm, and yeah. if I if I know these things, the only thing I can do is not preach at people, but show them what it means to be that person. Mm. I think yeah, that's, cool. that's that's one of the biggest. That's one of the biggest thing I've learned as a Christian is like, I no one wants a preacher, but mm. everybody yeah. wants a good example of how to be a good person. Mm. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go and sit there and preach to people like you could tell you could, everybody. Majority of people at my work they know I'm a Christian, but I never preach at people. But I will always try to be an example of like what I think you know Jesus was, God was, would want like on earth. So mm. like when you say like like how could you be a situation of like you know, I would go and help a bunch of people is because the first thing I always want to do is make sure that my neighbor is okay. Like yeah. if I'm cool, great. if I'm, if I'm being fed and I'm cool and I'm like that, then I got nothing to do. Like, yeah, I got like, yeah. I, if I'm, I'm, if I'm on unemployment, what am I going to do? Stay at home. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I, like, and so like, for me, I'm just like, I see so many people that like are suffering and they're hurting. And I'm like, I my, all my family's in Florida, yeah. And the rest of my family's in Hawaii, so like, I can't see I can't see my family. I can't I can't really go right. and do anything. So like, why not go help other people and why not do all these things? Yeah, that's amazing. So, I love that. I mean, when it's it's such yeah. an interesting thing the way that you've decided to do that. I also uh, saw our mutual friend Kamiko the other day downtown, and yep. she was and she yep, was yep. telling me that uh, I mentioned that we were going to be talking to you, and she had was talking about. Um, the, the, I don't know if it's a program or just what you were, were taking headshots for like BIPOC business owners around town. Is that, is that something yeah. that you've been doing? It's awesome. So, yeah. So, so my biggest thing is like, I love to give. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like one of my favorite things in, in the world to do because mm. um, especially like things that mean, mean something. Like, mm. I, I mean, I don't mean like give money. Money is, is, frivol- is frivolous and whatever. It's great. Some people can do really good things, but like I much rather cook for someone. I much rather take a picture of someone, cool. make them feel good about themselves. Mm. Like doing the doing, I was doing a bunch of headshots for because um, I also during the pandemic I started a photography business, which it's so yeah. cool. Uh, <laughs> as no you do, you as know. you do, yeah. As, a, as you do, it's just one of those. Just, you know, no big. I was just. Um, what's the website on that, Jacob? Just so people can grab uh, it. Jacobsonvalentine dot com. You should definitely yeah. check it out. Beautiful. Um, but photos are beautiful. I, I just want. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm really trying to just like lift people up because the, because how, like the worst thing I could do is complain. Mm. Like the, one of the biggest things I've, I've been, I've been learning is like, I have to really stop complaining because there's always going to be someone that has, has a worse, but also if you don't have a solution, then what's the point of complaining? I will yeah. allow someone to complain if they have a solution. <laughs> like, like so that. so so if i'm gonna complain i'm gonna be like oh man all these people like they don't have good headshots you know what i'm gonna go in and offer as many headshots to anybody who needs a headshot if they want to you know take their 
best step by having a photo that actually looks like them, actually makes them feel good about themselves, mm-hmm. makes them feel sexy, makes them feel attractive, makes them feel confident. Like if, if that's something I can give to someone to boost them up, then why not? Jacob, so what are you guys doing? Like, tell us what you're up to right now with Feed the Mass. Yeah, so um, Feed the Mass is, has, again, pivoted um, because now we are in a more controlled, sustainable uh, fashion. Uh, we are doing our uh, YouTube classes, uh, which are been taken off. Uh, we finally got our own URL, so youtube.com slash Feed the Mass. Um, so we yes. have online education. We're building a new um, education platform called Family That Learns Initiative where we actually are going to be bringing in new subjects. Um, The subjects are financial literacy, mental health, nutrition, fitness, and urban agriculture. Um, This is huge because uh, we really want to – we understand that, like, certain things are not being taught in the school, and we want to supplement those education by providing Mm. for free um, to the community. And so we're collaborating with a bunch of different organizations and businesses and talking to them and saying, hey, like, let's create a video that can help people out. So – we talked about a little bit about mental health. Like we want to create mental health classes to teach people like here are some ways to cope through certain things like anger management, um, how to deal with, you know, loss, how to deal with grieving, how to deal with mm-hmm. any kind of, um, you know, mental illness. But also sometimes it's not really an illness. It's just you're going through some shit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, honestly. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have our Fed program, which we are now just partnering with organizations. Sorry, is you hearing that? The train. Yeah. <laughs> the train. I know that train Sorry. well, Jacob. Yes. I was, I was, I was stuck behind that down by uh, down in that area the other day. For our listeners, Portland has a train system downtown that's uh, really awesome, and we'll just the train will like go through really slowly and then stop. Like, and so the whole there's a whole part of uh, city that's like totally cut off. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I like uh, it. Fun times. Um, so yeah, with our Fed program, uh, we are working with uh, community partners and building relationships. So we make the meals, they pick it up, and they give it to their community partners. Now this is huge because cool. we thought like, well, we are already serving a bunch of people, um, and there's already community partners who are already serving those same people. Why don't mm. we just cut the middleman and work with these community partners? Give them an, a thing they can say, "Hey, we also provide hot meals," and mm, just kind of yeah. just honestly be the service provider and give them the ability to also grow as an organization because they're also trying to find ways to build in better programming and help their community more. So we want to help them and provide better uh, community programming for them and help their community and get people fed at the same time. Um, And that's huge. And then we're also doing fed catering, which is a way for people and businesses uh, to honestly buy food from us and be able to uh, that food is going to then be equate to free meals to the community. So the more people, more businesses invest into our organization and um, buy meals and get our catering, the more meals we can give out to the community and create a more sustainable way. Um, we're also starting this new initiative called the zero waste initiative where we're, we are following the footsteps of uh, California where they're mm. actually started making things illegal for people to throw away food. Yeah. Uh, and we want to <laughs> get organizations and businesses really involved in reducing their food waste. And while we can go and collect that food and, or they can deliver it to us and we keep that food from going to landfills. Awesome. So, wow. So, so and then amazing. T- tell me how that works specifically. So, so a, a business goes and has their service for an entire week. 
at yep. the end of the week, they realize, hey, we have two or three days left on this on this food. There's two options you can go about. Yeah, you can risk it for the biscuit and say this weekend we're going to try <laughs> to sell it as a special. Yeah, or you can be like, hey, uh, we're going to donate this food. We have 15 portions of salmon that we that we could have a couple more days, or we can donate it, and then that can immediately go the next day to the community. Right, um, and then the the business gets a tax write off. Because they are donating yeah, sure. a in-kind donation. Right. Um, so yeah, cool. that actually helps businesses because if a business is worried about the food costs at the end of the year, they can write off all their food costs. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And this, can, is this food like, if, for instance, uh, hotel stuff, like if they didn't you know, serve everything they were going to serve at a banquet or something, they can donate it to you guys? Yep. Hotels, yeah, cool. grocery Great. stores, if they have um, you know, uh, little food carts, if they're yeah. – the big thing is – you know, really be mindful about like, hey, is it safe to eat? Like, cool. Mm. And yeah, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you if you if you go through all the steps and saying here's the here's the parameters of food that is safe, and you send it yep. to us, we'll also check it and be like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah no, this is not going to work. And we'll, mm. but it's also a situation of we're kind of working together. You know, we're trying to yeah, that's reduce, awesome. Reduce the waste. Yeah, I was living in California. I was in uh, at CIA in culinary school when the Good Samaritan laws there got passed. So like. You know, mm. the, before, if you ever, if you served something like at a banquet and like one person took one bite of mashed potatoes, then it couldn't be reused anywhere. Like before that law was passed. So they just had to dump it. It was so stupid. And so like, and I was at culinary oh, yeah. school where we had insane amounts of waste, you know? And so when that law changed, we had all these people that would come and pick up like kind of gleaner sort of style and would take it to San yep. Francisco or whatever, where, you know, where people needed food. And it was, you know, it was great. So I'm glad that you guys have that arm. It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think for us, we're also a food hub. So, like, we're we're, mm. we're really trying to like focus on like there's other food pantries out here who are small. They don't have the means to mm. hold pallets of food, and we can. So, Tight. we're being a food hub. We're making sure that like, hey, not only can they get raw ingredients from us, but like, hey, you need hot food because mm. a lot of the people they're serving, like, what are they going to do with the rutabaga? Like, right. not, not a lot of people know what to do with a rutabaga. And you got, like, a case of rutabaga. What are you going to do right. with it? So, like, yep. why don't we, you know, really meet people where they're at? I think that's the biggest thing that Feed the Mass is really known for is we meet people where they're at. And we mm. can make sure that we empower them to be like, hey, like, if you need hot meals, let's get you hot meals. If you need fresh food, let's give you fresh food. If you don't know how to cook this fresh food, let's give you education to cook this fresh food. Mm. Um, we give people the ability to not – to say, yes, I, I want this. Yes, I think, you know, eating healthier is important. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, you're casting such a wide net with what you do. It just strikes me like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're the like tentacles that feed the mass are so vast and it's pretty Well, <laughs> it's, it, it's, 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 all, it's all a cycle. I mean, okay, so here, right. and, this, and this actually goes really, I'm going to try to go through this really quickly. So our education platform is actually the base layer. Um, mm. if anything, because we say we, we want to educate people on how to eat, we want to educate people on mental health, because if you can't think right, how can you know what to eat? Mm-hmm. If, like you, if you, if you're addicted to sugar and you don't know why you, you can't lose weight or you're on, you're diabetic on these things, we can work through those things. If you don't mm-hmm. know how to eat better, like nutrition, then we'll give you nutrition classes. If you don't know mm-hmm. how to work out because you're trying to lose weight, these are all things. And if you need help with food then let's start you getting some food first and then we'll educate you on how to eat, eat, eat that food. And then we'll educate you on how to cook that food. And from there, maybe, I mean, I'm not going to promise anything, but maybe you might actually get enough skills in life to actually live a better life. 
Mm. Which that's what our school system is supposed to do. <laughs> In theory. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. we got to fill that gap. And that's great. again, I, I, I care about my community. And, you know, these are the things that everybody keeps saying. We need this. We need that. And I got to fill that gap. If someone needs to eat because they're hungry, whether they drive a Lamborghini or like, do no joke. There's a guy who drove a Porsche down the street one, one day. And I was like, yo, man, you hungry? He's like, well, I mean, I can, who's it for? I'm like, you. Do you want a meal? <laughs> I was like, yeah, here, here, have, have a meal. And a guy's mm. rolling in the Porsche just going down the street, grabbing a meal. I'm like, that's what it's about. Like, it doesn't, like, yeah. why is there always limitations on who we give things to? Why is the sure. poor only the people that we give to? Yeah. So well, I, loved, I loved that inclusivity of, of what Feed the Mass was doing downstairs. It always felt like, you know, because there's sometimes where you, oh, I don't know, it's a sliding scale situation and you have to like prove your income in order to get X, Y, Z or something. And, and you know, it always felt downstairs like you're hungry, come get a meal. Right. <laughs> it was really, well, it's, you just I, love I, the inclusivity of that. I also think that like COVID was one of those interesting things where kind of no matter where you were along the spectrum, like we were all going through it on some level. And obviously right. – some people, the consequences were much more dire and, and much more severe, you know, but uh, but on some level, it was like the, the fear element of it or the like, I could get this and potentially die. We were all going through that. And so it's like the idea of like the basic need of just I'm hungry, I need to eat. Mm-hmm. I think it's like everybody needed that. And who the fuck knows if the guy in the Porsche had been eating. <laughs> <laughs> or, Maybe or, just or even this. Or even, exactly. Or he's just having a bad day. Like the right. thing is like, I think, I think. I think people see that like people are that need charity or need to be taken care of, um, need to be really in need before people can start giving. Like, yeah. if it, like I give out compliments, I give out love, I give out hugs when I can. Um, you know, I give, I, and the biggest thing is like the more you give, the more I receive. And, mm. and sometimes it's not really about receiving. Like, mm. as crazy as it sounds, like we've gotten, like when we first started the, the Fed program, we we got a building for free for yeah. I think it was like six months. Then the veteran calls CM said, "Hey, we love what you're doing. We see that you're giving so much. How about we give you a kitchen?" And then people yeah. are saying, "Hey, we saw that we were giving so much. Why don't we give you some kitchen equipment?" Oh, we see you mm-hmm. giving so much. How about we give you a van? Oh, we see you go- giving so much. Why don't we give you some people to help you out? And, yeah. and I think the That's big so thing cool. is like, like it it really is a situation of like. We will give no matter what, and I tell everybody here and our team, and we, we've even written our in our handbooks and and even on our website. Like the idea of giving is not to receive; it is to understand that everyone around us needs help, mm. and everybody around us needs some kind of empathy and some kind of sympathy and some kind of like like a touch base. Like you know, mm. like even even after we get done with this conversation, I'll I'll probably email you guys back in a couple of weeks and make sure you guys are all right. Like that's important. God, like that's amazing. That's 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 what we need to do. Yeah, that's. I think that's. I mean, that to me is like ties it up in a neat little bow, and I feel like it does. And Jacob said, Valentine, you are living up to your really big name. You, yeah, you fucking are. (laughs) Big heart, big name, big man. I like it. Um, Jacob, tell us. Just give everybody the bottom line on everything that they can, where they can see you, how they can help out. What are your websites? What are what are the ways to be involved? 
Yeah, so um, if you want to check us out online, it's feedthemass.org. If you want to donate, it's feedthemass.org slash donate. You can also cash app us at feedthemass. You can also Venmo us at feedthemass. You can follow us on all of our Instagram channels, so or, or our social media channels. So Instagram, it's at feedthemass. Feed the, uh, Facebook, it's at feedthemass. TikTok, it's at feedthemass. Twitter, uh, <laughs> don't bother don't do it uh youtube uh, you can go on to youtube.com slash feed the mass where we put all of our uh, cooking classes and digital content on there love for everyone to subscribe and um if you want to check out our my photography jacobsonvalentine.com and um yeah if you want to come to a uh a actual really cool uh uh, open mic night um and check out the control room just go online it's control room pbx amazing awesome Got all the things. I love it. Uh, Thanks for carving out some time for us again. It was just such a joy. It was so fun. It was really, really incredible to talk to you. Thanks for coming on, ma'am. Thank you. Bye. That was such an awesome interview with Jacob. He's just, I mean, first off, he's the busiest fucking person in the world. (laughs) I know we asked him to be on the show and I was like, no way he's going to carve out time. And he had like super speed email response too. Oh yeah. So not only is he the busiest human, but he also responds to emails faster than any human I know <laughs> besides maybe Mikey. Yeah, I do. I over, I'm an overly quick responder and then people expect it every time. Mm. Not a smart thing to do. Yeah. You should just be like me and take like hours or days to respond to text messages and emails. And then when you do get back to people, they're pleasantly surprised. Lowered expectations. It's exactly right. God, it's it's so true, and it makes me feel like I'm really proud of people when I see people that are like underperforming mm. because they're kind of like they're just they're setting the expectation real low. Yeah. So when they do anything that's actually what they're supposed to do, it's like, oh my god, thank you so much for doing that. That's amazing. That's how I like to live. <laughs> I've got new sound effects on our. Uh, on a recording thing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's how I like to live my whole life, basically. I should get another round of applause for that. (laughs) (laughs) Dope. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to Mikey and Ren Eat In. Uh, Yeah, reach out to us either through our Instagram, which is at Mikey and Ren, or through our website, which is MikeyandRen.com. Our email address is Let's Eat, L E. T S E A T. Mikey's put it pointing his eyeballs up towards the sky like he had to think about how to spell. Let's eat. L E T S E A T. Fuck you, Rin. L E T S E A T at MikeyandRin.com. I almost didn't make it. Thanks, you guys. We love you. We love you. Follow us, subscribe, rate us, review us, love us. <laughs>